Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks. scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Beyond the Beauty is a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Bobby Brown. This season of Beyond the Beauty has been talking to founders of beauty companies about how they started, why they started, what they're struggling with. And I wanted to do the season based on these amazing founders because I was about to launch my new brand. And not only do I give them advice, they have given me a ton of advice and have been mentors to me. So I love talking to people that have done it differently than I know. And I also love sharing what I know. And it's been a really interesting season talking to all these different, you know, founders of beauty brands, you know, some women, some guys, some natural companies, some not, and even, you know, pioneers who've been in the space before me. And I love mostly being able to understand how people do things, how they do it differently. And I just think it's really important for people out there that want to start their own businesses just to hear other stories. So A, you could relate or maybe you can get inspired. I'm someone that likes to not only talk about being an entrepreneur, but I really love to talk what it means to be a a woman, what it means to be a mother, what it means to be a friend, you know, how that defines you. And I'm constantly working on myself and I'm really looking forward to the next season, which is why I want to talk to my next guest, Anjali, who is a, um, a friend who I actually met when I was doing a speech and she was running the event at Google. Was it a women's group? What was it? So I don't remember who um, who had formally extended the invitation to you, but it was probably women at Google, which I was on the steering committee of. Um, so yeah, that was, that was when. It was a while ago. So I did it, but I got you know, much more than I thought. 
which was this long friendship where you came up to me afterwards and you were such a cool, like you were the, the, you know, the head of legal at Google. Like you were just not some kid sitting in the audience. And then, and then we became friends. And then when my son was looking for work after college, you mentored him. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, I'm so grateful that I went to that talk and, uh, and got to meet you there. And I had always been a long admirer of your brand and what you had built. And, you know, certainly as a, a girl of color at a certain time, um, you were the OG. I mean, that was that was what introduced me to makeup was your line and feeling like I could feel beautiful in a time when everything else that I was seeing in media was telling me that I was not the standard of beauty. Um, and being able to find things that worked for me was huge and then hearing your story I was like she is the coolest like I just want to know her and I was really embarrassed that afterwards that I did that to you because I've never just like bum rushed somebody like that that I just felt this immediate connection to you to your story how you talked about your family we're both from Chicago so I think there were just so many synergies and I really felt compelled to do that and I've I don't think I've ever done that like I was really kind of mortified later but I'm glad it worked out but I, I could but that is that is in your nature to do that because you are you know you say you're these things but you're all also very fearless and incredibly inspirational and interesting so you know I just want to spend a second on like I I can't even like remember every little thing you've done but what what did you do before Google Okay, so my career is a bit of a windy road. So I started, I'm a lawyer by training, as you mentioned. Um, so I started my career post-law school living in London at a big New York law firm called Sherman and Sterling. I spent a few years there and I went there and spent two years in the London office, traveling over Europe, came back to the New York office. And then about a year into my time in New York, um, the 9-11 happened. And when I came back to New York, I always knew that I didn't want to stay at a big firm forever. I sort of tripped into that job. But 9-11 was a big wake-up call. And I always had a very strong bleeding heart. You know, I was a very, um, I had a, a strong impetus to do good in the world. And so that was kind of the kick in the pants I needed to go do it. So I left German and Sterling and went to the Robin Hood Foundation. So that right in the afternoon. See, I didn't know that. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I spent three years at Robin wow. Hood Foundation doing sort of consulting work essentially for the grant recipients of Robin Hood. And it was an extraordinary time, um, really important work. It was really part of the fabric of the city and the rebuild of the city. So it was really humbling to be a part of that, very on the ground. But I wasn't practicing law there. And then I kind of realized I missed the law, which I never thought would be words that would come out of my mouth. And so I ended up at a recently started nonprofit called Acumen Fund, which is now called Acumen. I went there as the general counsel and so helped us set up our offices in India and Pakistan and, you know, just figuring out how to do these grants and equity investments in different companies and nonprofits around the world. Um, and then after a few years there, I was recruited to Google. So Acumen was a big grant recipient of Google when Google.org first started. And I honestly had no idea what I was doing there. When I walked <laughs> in there, I was like, I don't understand how the internet works. I don't understand how Google makes money. I was really clueless walking into that job, um, but it worked out great. And I ended up loving it. I stayed there for many years. And then you went to Warby Parker. And then I went to Warby Parker. Yeah. So funny enough, one of the founders of Warby Parker knew me from my time at Acumen. And so when I was a GC there, he was running one of the nonprofits right out of college that we funded. And we ran into each other at a conference. 
Um, and he came up to me and was like, you know, do you remember me? I'm doing this thing now. It's like, good for you. I didn't wear glasses. So I really <laughs> didn't understand the pain point. I didn't understand what they were building. But then he reached out to me uh, when I was at Google for about six years. And he was like, hey, would you, would you talk to me about this position? We're thinking about hiring a general counsel and we'd like that to be you. But the pattern is that you don't know what you're doing when you take these jobs and you yeah. just go in and you figure it out. Yeah, that's very much a pattern. And it's funny because especially as a lawyer, I think that's not typical because usually you're, as a lawyer, paid for what you already know. And then you do that again and again, and you sort of double down on that expertise and just get to charge more and more for that expertise. And what I found is, A, that's not fun for me. So I'm, I'm happy to do it to a point, but I get bored really easily doing that. Um, and I think there's way better lawyers than me, frankly. Like, I think there's like people who are so good at what they do with the legal stuff and they really love the, the nuances and the, the weeds of the law. Um, but I like, you know, figuring it out, untangling the spaghetti and then passing it off to somebody else who can do it again and again Be- and then moving on to the next thing. Because how long were you at Warby? I was there three years. Three years. And then you went yeah. to? Well, then I left because I got a book deal. So I ended up writing a book, uh, which had nothing to do with any of this stuff. And the, na- uh, the name of the book? The book is called Stalking God, My Unorthodox Search for Something to Believe in. And it is so, so funny. It is thing It is honestly, it's a comedy because you are hysterical. You're, you're one of those like bright, bright brains, but super funny. No, oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. That's the goal. Yeah, it was a really fun project. I had come up with this idea when my daughter, who just turned 11, if you can believe it. Um, I think she was like three when you and I mm. met. Probably. Yeah. Um, so she just turned 11, but when she was born, I realized that I didn't really know what I believed about religion and spirituality and sort of the big questions in life that you couldn't Google an answer to. But I realized that Zia is my daughter's hmm. name, that she would one day soon be asking me all kinds of things that I didn't know. And so maybe I would try to figure it out. So it started as just a little project. I would go and meet like a kooky healer, or I would go to like some spiritual thing and do little things around the city. And then it sort of took on a life of its own and turned into this project. Um, and it was sort of before everybody was meditating. You know, it's like none of that stuff was super mainstream, um, and at least in my circles. And so I still felt like I was a little out there doing this, but I was willing to try. And I think what people responded to is like, I told the stories at my cocktail parties and they were funny and my friends would laugh. And then uh, people were just like, you have to write this stuff down. Like there's something here. And then it turned into a book. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. 
And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with the season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. And then you've had one more job before we go into your new life, yes. right? You had one more gig, which was at Cheddar. Yes, correct. So once, as my book was coming out, I think when I finished the book, I literally turned in the final draft and an old colleague from Google who had started Cheddar, John Sparenberg, he reached out to me and was like, you know, we're building this thing. It was sort of the same thing. He's like, we're building this thing. Um, would you come talk to us? And we think we need a chief people officer. This is how the conversation started. And I was like, I don't, know that stuff, but yeah, I have nothing to do. I'm happy to chat. And when he was telling me what they were doing, I was like, oh, this is pretty interesting. And I know nothing about the news world or media in that way, apart from my time working on YouTube stuff. And I was like, I, you know, I'm curious, sure, I'm happy to do this. And I love culture. I think that stuff is really important, how you treat employees, what, how to get the best from people, diversity, inclusion, all those issues were things that I was super interested in. Um, so I took the job and then this also became a pattern where they kind of threw in the second job. I'm like, oh, can you also be our general counsel? I was like, yeah, uh-huh. sure. So I was doing sort of in that very womanly way, two for the price of one. And and do you have people that you call and discuss this with? Is it your husband? Is it it's you. someone to say, I, well, we've never had the financial discussion. Uh, you know, yeah, you that's know, what I'm saying. That's a really good point. The financial discussions are hard for me. It's so interesting. I'm really trying to work that muscle and get better at it. Um, I wasn't, you know, I was definitely raised with that generation where it's just not polite to talk about money. You just, you don't ask those questions. I don't know. Like it's all this stuff that I know is wrong and I would advise anybody else not to take that advice. I think that's definitely a hard thing. And I I know it's hard for women. Yeah, it's definitely hard. And I wish it weren't true. And I'm, I'm really trying to get better because the only way it gets better for all of us is if we all are sharing the math and yeah. really understanding like, hey, but I've gotten better about certain things. Like I will, when friends are telling me like for speaking engagements and that kind of thing, I'm like, they're paying you what? Like you need to be asking for three yeah. times that. And they're like, well, right. and then I will tell them, this is what I get paid when I do a keynote. Right. Like you are way, way more popular than me. You have way more expertise on issue X. Like you're the Michael Jordan of blank. You should be paid accordingly. And um, I think that's helped all of us be more transparent. So much of what you do, it's like a snowball. You know, you do one thing and that takes on and it just keeps growing. So your book is also the gift that keeps on giving. Is it true that your TED Talk, you got 4 million? How many people? I haven't looked have, in a while. I have to go oh, no, Google no, no. it. It's over 4 Let's million, see. I think. Over 4 million people have seen your TED Talk. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> unbe- it's crazy. So, so what was it like doing a TED Talk? It was incredible. It was an out-of-body experience. I mean, I was so humbled to be asked to do it. And then I got really in my head about what should I talk about? I was like, well, I have to, you know, 
talk about saving the world and I have to talk about business and social good through business and like all these things that I care about. And I don't know why it didn't occur to me right off the bat just to talk about this journey that I went on for this book that was coming out. And finally, I was like, oh, you know what I have to do is just tell a really great story. That's what I have to do because I'm not an expert at blank. I didn't discover a cure for cancer. Like I don't have that kind, which is a lot of what TED Talks are. Um, so I was like, I'm just going to tell something that I am uniquely qualified to talk about, which is my journey on this particular topic. Um, so that's what I did. So I just told the story of my attempts to sort of find religion and spirituality and the answers to the big questions in life um, and that I failed at it miserably. But then the, you know, kind of cutaway at the end was that, but here's what I found instead, which was that everybody, regardless of their religious affiliation, of their socioeconomic background, of anything, we're all looking for the same three things, which in my research, <laughs> my, my qualitative research, um, were health, happiness, and love. And so mm. I kind of take people through that journey. Health, happiness, and love. Yeah. I mean, honestly, though, that's like the essence of probably why we connected. Yeah. Like those are those are three things that are very important to me. You know, and the reason, you know, the next season of my podcast, I've been thinking a lot about where I want to take it and what I want to do. And for the third season, I I I realized that my my passion right now is helping people. I mean, it always has been. It's it's empowering, encouraging, making people, allowing people to learn how to feel comfortable in their skin which that's confidence and just the whole empowerment thing, you know, being, look, I was a working mother, you know, I was a commuting mother. And I just really think that we need to build our community. And I just thought who better to have these conversations than you, you were the only person I thought of, Thank you. you know, and, and you also have this amazing network of cool women that, you know, have stories to tell and have, ways to inspire other people so well i'm excited you know. i feel like you and me in a rolodex and a telephone we could we could solve any problem don't you think the two of us <laughs> we will you know we'll turn it into something else so let's do it i'm know, excited you know i i do believe that you're stronger together than you are alone i 100 percent agree so. with you i love a collaboration i think you know it's um it's funny when you when i go through all the things that i've done a lot of it's just because i've done things for shorter amounts of time. Like I didn't run a company like you did for 25 years. That was my own brand that I built. You know, it's a, it's a different thing. I've been mostly an operator working for somebody else's vision. Um, but my favorite times at any of those places or side projects or any of it is always in a collaboration because I love the give and take of that. I love the exchange of ideas. I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I want to be very middle of the pack and learn from everyone around me. And so um, that's so fun to, to get that advice from people and, and people like you. But you are working on a couple things now. I have been advising companies. So I started my own advisory company that I'm calling Slightly Reserved. There's a backstory there that I won't bore you with, but it's um, I just advise about 20 startups and mostly it's the founders that I'm really advising um, and the kind of industry agnostic. It's all over the map, everything from fintech companies to beauty and wellness companies like natural beauty, um, some supplement companies, and then, you know, kind of everything in between. It's like a nice mix of companies, some techs and non-tech, mostly women and people of color founders, which I love. Um, and then I have a handful of legal clients just because they're incredible people. And so I can't help myself and 
I want to help some of those folks. And then I have some media projects that I'm kicking around, which has been a really fun, you know, kind of second chapter or whatever chapter I'm in at this point, third chapter um, that I'm super excited about. And I think a lot of that came from doing the talks at Google, doing, you know, the TED talk, certainly in the book um, and doing some public speaking around the book and just around my time at Warby Parker, I started getting out there more and, like you said, you know, kind of having a bit more of a public profile as much as you can have a public profile doing the nerdy things that I do. But um, yeah, so these things are now coming in. So we're developing my book into a limited series or a comedy series, which is super, super exciting. It's very early stages, but, uh, you know, fingers crossed, I think there's so much room for content as we've seen in the past year. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. So this podcast is all about what people could learn from the people that inspire me. And you are here because you inspire me. Like, what do you think that our listeners could learn from you and where you've been to where they are? Mm. Well, I, I hope they can learn that not knowing what you're doing is actually a strength, not a weakness. Like going into things um, with a bit of a beginner's mindset and staying open two things I think can really put you in a position of strength. I think we have a culture that really overvalues expertise in a way that, um, you know, it's great, obviously, you want to be an expert at stuff, but a fresh perspective without carrying a lot of um, kind of preconceived notions about what's possible and what's not possible can make you do things really, really differently. 
And so I think you could do that certainly as a company, but even as a person and the way you approach your work, I think is really important. And what kind of fearful things have you overcome in your career? I think I'm getting better at advocating for myself. So sort of what we were talking about earlier, just, you know, setting up what I need to be successful, um, making sure I ask about things that I'm concerned about before taking a position or before working with somebody or taking on a client. And that's not something I was always so good at. Like, so I think even when I left Google initially, I had, my daughter was about three and I was going to Warby Parker and the team, you know, the senior team I thought was all single, no kids. That didn't end up being the case, but I would never have asked them about how they think about, you know, working parents and what sort of flexibility they offer and all that kind of thing had you not pushed me to, frankly. So, um, because I remember we had a conversation right before I was deciding and you're like, is there anything left unsaid? Is there anything that you're still concerned about? And I raised this issue with you and I said, well, you know, my daughter's only three. Um, I think this is it. Oh, you first encouraged me to have more kids. And I was like, did my mom call you? <laughs> I was like, okay, that's just oh. so. Um, but then was like, well... I, I'm concerned about this one piece because I have incredible flexibility at Google. I've earned a lot of goodwill and trust there. And so I can do, you know, I can kind of do what I need to do and be there for my child and then also be really effective at work. And so I'm nervous about going into this senior position at a small, you know, fast-growing startup. And what does that look like if my daughter's only three? And she's like, well, you have to ask the question. You said to me, you have to ask the question. I was like, I can't do it. I can't. You know, I'll wait after I've been there a couple of years, then I'll ask you. Like, you have to ask the question. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna suck it up and ask the question. And I so what happened? What happened? Neil Blumenthal, the the, one of the founders, and he was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you asked. Of course, whatever you need, you know, you should talk to Alon, our CTO, he's got kids, and you know, whatever you need and whatever flexibility you need, of course, we'll be supportive of all that. We we love family, you know, we we all want kids. Like he was really so mm. gracious about it. And he said all the right things. And I was like, oh, thank God I asked because I, I would have been so nervous going in. And I think it would have taken me a really long time to build up the nerve to, um, to have that flexibility and to ask for it. So things like that, I think were really important. It's like ask for what you need before you go into something. And then if they say no, you have to go home and decide. Yeah, exactly. At least you have an answer. You're not like wondering what the answer is. Yeah, because they easily could have been like, nope, we're here 8 a.m. till 10 p.m. We expect you on 24-7 and that's the deal. And then that's a different answer and that's okay. That's okay too. That could be the expectation, but um, it wouldn't have been right for me. So what would you say to someone that's having issues in their career right now where they're stuck at a, at a job they're not happy with or they're trying to get their business off the ground, what kind of encouragement and advice would you give people? So these are, these are pretty unusual times, which I think makes my answer a little bit different because I do recognize that obviously the security of a job, um, the, the challenges of the current job market, uh, working from home, all those kinds of things make it really difficult to make a big job switch in this time or to launch a new idea. Um, but that said... I think if anything, or if nothing else, this past year has really taught us that life is super, super short. And you really want to spend your time doing things that you love with people that you respect and that respect you. So I would encourage you to start thinking about what that really looks like for you and telling people and asking around and finding the right environment. I think, you know, what I've found is that 
it almost doesn't matter what you're working on if you're doing it with people that you really enjoy working with. And so I think that's the biggest, biggest lesson that I've had just over the course of my career uh, and certainly the past years proven that time and time again. So I would say focus on the people first. And I'd also say, make sure you have a posse. Totally. Make sure you have people you could talk to. Yeah. And you're not by yourself. Yeah. I think that's right. Like a, a tribe of people, I've heard friends refer to them as refer to their posse as like their board of advisors or personal board of advisors. And I think there is something to that of, of having people around you. I actually do this for my daughter. Um, every year on her birthday, I gift her what we call a wise woman. And so it's somebody from our lives. Sometimes she knows them really well. Sometimes there's somebody from my life that I think would be an incredible mentor and person for her to know and to be close to and just to have a relationship with in some way um, because of whatever she's into that year or whatever she's sort of excited about or just shortcomings that I find in myself, frankly, um, because I know that I can't be everything for her. And I know that there will be times that she does not want to come to me for advice. And so I want her to feel like she's got a lot of trusted uh, women in particular around her that she has access to and that she has an independent relationship with from me. So I think it's kind of like creating that for her now at age 11 um, so that she has that. But it took me a long time to figure out that I needed that for myself too. So I think it's because I was doing it for myself that I started doing it for her. That's a, that's a very cool thing. So would you also tell everyone where they can get more of you, where they could find you? Sure. I'm on social at Anjali Kumar, um, or you can go to my website, anjalikumar.com. And my book is called Stalking God, My Unorthodox Search for Something to Believe in. Please support independent booksellers. So try to find it there. And otherwise, Amazon always has copies, I suspect. And you can go into my IGTV on justbobby.com and see a virtual makeup lesson I did before we launched Jones Road and uh, it got, it got a lot of people (laughs) saying that they wanted to do it. So I I hope it's going well for you. Oh yeah, of course. On IG, you can find me on IGTV. I do a series called teach me anything and literally friends of mine, Bobby was my first episode, teach me anything. So the, you know, we do episodes very haphazardly, but they're really fun. All right. Love you. I love you too. Thank you for having me. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. 
And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.